0: Welcome back to another episode of the Shag Sports Talk Podcast. Today, we got a loaded episode for you guys because Friday afternoon, we got a lot to get into. We're going to start off the show, talk about Donovan Mitchell heading to Cleveland in a blockbuster trade that went down on Thursday. What does it mean for the Cavs? Where does it put them in the Eastern Conference? The Jazz, you know, this starts up their rebuild and in the step in the right direction, acquire a bunch of young players and picks. So, this starts the Jazz rebuild for the foreseeable future. And as a Nick fan, how am I feeling? So, we were going to talk about that in the first segment. And in the second segment, to end the show, this will be a little bit of a longer segment. The time has come. The NFL season is basically back. We have about six to seven days until the season gets going. I'm really excited. And today, I'm going to be handing out my NFC record predictions. The AFC will be in the next podcast, but we're going to go over the NFC. How it's going to work is, I'm going to go through every division, go 1 through 4, and then at the end, with all the records, I'm going to make, you know, my playoff bracket in the NFC, 1 through 7. So that's how it's going to work. I'm going to go through all the records, and then I'm going to sort them, you know, from one to seven, and that will be my playoff bracket for you guys, so we got a loaded episode for you guys today. I don't want to waste any more time. I'm really excited. Without further ado, let's get into it. So let's talk about Donovan Mitchell trade. Let's start off with just the trade in general. The Cavs got Donovan Mitchell. They got the player, obviously, that they desperately needed. Jazz got Three unprotected first round picks in 25, 27, and 29. The rights to two pick swaps in 26 and 28, and the players they got Markaden, Sexton, and Ochiadabaji. Let's start on let's start with the Jazz. The Jazz obviously they get, you know, they get this rebuild startup now. The Jazz got between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. So the two trades with Gobert and Mitchell and the Beverly trade. They got Sexton, uh, Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley, Ochi Adibagi, and Kessler. The guys were drafted 14th and 22nd in this past draft. Vanderbilt, Marketed, THT, Stanley Johnson. Seven first-round picks and three pick swaps. Let me tell you, that's a good way to start your rebuild question is those picks because to me here the jazz picks here little suspect let's talk about these cavs picks number 1 the 25 pick what is that tri- what is that pick going to look like because if the cavs think that Donovan Mitchell is going to stay there cuz look he's going to be he i think he's what four years three four years on his deal so he's going to be there for another three four years he'll be there till that draft pick probably so 2025, that pick to me is going to be, you know, 17 in the 20 range. That's not going to be your lottery pick, probably. That's probably going to be between 15 and 20 and 25. Because the Jazz or the Cavs are going to be contending for the top spot in Eastern Conference. So that, to me, that pick's going to be up in the air. The 27 pick, again, I think, you know, five years down the line, I think the Cavs are still going to be in, in contention because the Cavs are – very young team. Very young team. So I don't know about that 27 pick. But that 29 pick, though, I really like that 29 pick. Because that 29 pick, Mitchell could probably be out of there by now. And that's the pick that I think is going to be very good for the Jazz. The pick swaps, 26 and 28, not a big deal, obviously, in the players we know, Market and Sexton. My opinion on the Jazz, look, they're clearing house. They got Bogdan, Bondanovich still a trade, which, you know, they're already receiving interest in the Lakers and Suns. Those are two teams that are interested in Bondanovic. He'll probably be traded before camp. So they're they just going to look to go young, get a bunch of draft picks, hope they nail their seven first-round draft picks, and they're going to be looking to go back into contending again. So to me, I really like the move from Utah. In the terms of Cleveland, look, I like it as well. Because, again, you look at your starters, you got Garland and Mitchell, and we all get it, oh, what is their defense going to look like in the backcourt? But, again, offense wins in the sport always. Your offense always wins for the most part. Same thing in football. Your offense can, if you have a very good offense and a bad defense, the offense usually wins in the most part because it's a pass-heavy league. And the offense, offense is an advantage in basketball because if, you know, you drive on someone, you know, If you go up, it's a foul. So, to me, offense is a huge part in basketball. So, now you got Garland and Mitchell in the backcourt. That's nasty. Okora, a little interesting with Isaac Okora. But then you got Mobley and Jared Allen. And, man, let me tell you, that team, that's a top five team in the East, dude. I'm telling you, that's a top five team in the Eastern Conference. I think that's very reasonable for the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavs got... A very young team, and that's what I think is uh, still very interesting. They still have a very young team that still could contend in the Eastern Conference. They're better than teams like Chicago and Toronto and the Knicks and the Hawks, in my opinion, because you got that stud backcourt, and their front court is pretty good as well. Mobley and Allen, two seven footers. I mean, like that's pretty good. And then their bench is solid. Rubio, I know he got hurt, but he was doing very good until he got hurt. Lavert, he's solid. Osman, Love, Lopez, it's solid across the board. It it is. It's very very good. So to me, I like it for the Cavs because puts them as a serious threat in the Eastern Conference. But I also like it for the Jazz because now it sets up their rebuild, and Danny Ainge knows how to you know. Established really good rebuilds. He's done it with the Celtics, you know, Pierce, Garnett to Brooklyn. So to me, I really like this deal because they get the three picks that they wanted, the two swaps, and, you know, now they're off to starting their rebuild. And the Cavs, as I mentioned earlier, are now in contention in the Eastern Conference. Now, let's talk about the third end of this deal. That didn't involve the two teams. It involves the New York Knicks. Okay. Yes, we missed out on Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, I'm very not happy about it. I'm very mad. But again, at the end of the day, like, I just think that, you know, you look at this team, look at the Knicks. They need a superstar. Donovan Mitchell can be a superstar. So to me, that's where it gets, where I get a little. Mad where we missed out on the star and Donovan Mitchell. But again, I understand at the same time that they didn't do the trade because they have, you know, Danny Ainge looking to get seven first-round picks instead of three. And, you know, what gets me fired up about this trade is that the Knicks missed out on, you know, this trade. That was declined. This was declined. Woj reported this last night. At the start of trade talks, this is his tweet. At the start of trade talks in July, New York offered Utah Donovan Mitchell package, including R.J. Barrett, Toppin, Robinson, three unprotected first round picks. Sources tell ESPN Jazz turned that offer down, and Robinson later signed a $60 million contract, which in just stay in New York. That's a very good trade. The three young players, and then, you know, you get your three young players in Barrett, Toppin, Robinson, and three unprotected firsts. I'm going to tell you why that kind of got shut down. Number one, because it was early in trade talks, and that's the most important part at the top of that, at the start of trade talks. And what do teams try to do at the early beginning of trade talks? They're going to try to get every single pick you have, and they're going to want the best offer. It's smart. They're going to try to get the best offer, and they're going to try to make you reach on a star like Mitchell. The the Nets did the same thing. They were trying to get, what, like seven to eight first-round picks for Durant? And now Durant's staying in, in Brooklyn. So, you know, they reached. They tried to make the New York reach. Leon Rose did not, you know, blink. And he stayed true to himself and held his ground. And, you know, we didn't end up with Mitchell. My concern here. Okay, you missed out on the star. My two concerns, it's only two, is that you miss out on the star, obviously, in Mitchell. But my thing is, is that, Now Leon Rose is going to want that star. And this is where things get scary for me. Number one, do not reach on the next unhappy star. Because I'm going to tell you this. If that unhappy star is SGA and we try to give them four, five first-round picks and pick the two young players you want and that trade goes through and we get SGA, I'm not going to be happy. Because, again, that's to me, you know, that's not a good trade for us. Like, Donovan Mitchell is a lot better than SGA, in my opinion. Like, Donovan Mitchell has shown that he can lead teams to the playoffs. SGA is a great talent, but again, I don't know if that's the best player for the Knicks. I don't. And I feel like that's what's going to happen. And if you've read reports from Mark Berman, who's, you know, the lead reporter at the New York Post, you know, now you have guys, you know, they're saying that, here's the report, I'll show it to you right now. It says that the Knicks will be on the lookout for the next disgruntled player who goes on the trade block with OKC point guard SGA previously mentioned. Just what I ask from the Knicks, please do not reach. Just do not reach on these young guys. Just stay true. Play your young guys. And this is what's going to lead to my next point. The Knicks have to play their young guys. Have to. Because if you don't play your young guys, your trade value with those young guys and Grimes quickly and Toppin, the trade value doesn't go anywhere. So you're not going to get anything, you know, Toppin's playing less than 20 minutes per game like he was last year. Toppin played less than 20 minutes per game last year. He's got to play more than 20 minutes per game. He has to. If you are that interested in a star like SGA or Mitchell, I know Mitchell's gone, but if you're interested in a star like that, you have to play your young guys. Just that simple. Look at Cleveland. Cleveland played their young guys. Sexton, Markin, and played more minutes than he should have. And Abadji, look at them. Now they got Mitchell because they played their young guys. Knicks don't really play their young guys. You got Thibodeau playing Fournier, 48 minutes a game. Like, you know, like you can't, you can't win. Like you're not going to win in any deal or any games with doing that. It's not going to work. What also screwed the Knicks was last... What also gets me mad is that they last year, or two years ago, they were in the playoffs, they lost to Trae on the Hawks when they were a favorite. But again, that playoff loss isn't even that bad because they went on to the Eastern Conference Finals, they lost in six to Milwaukee, and, you know, they went to the offseason where they overpaid for Fournier Kemba wasn't the guy that we thought he was going to be. So to me, you know, it stinks. But again, they got to play the young guys. It starts this process to getting back to getting a young star like Mitchell or SGA and whoever that next unhappy guy is. You have to play your young guys. If you don't play your young guys, you're just not going to get that guy. Or your trade talks are going to be super difficult to – accept the trade so that's my opinion on the whole donovan mitchell trade talks we're going to take a quick break and we are going to do my nfc record predictions. we're going to be right back take a quick break and we are going to be doing my nfc record predictions. so let's get right into it so let's talk nfc record predictions we're going to go from the east to the west Let's start off in fourth place in the East. In the NFC East, finishing in fourth place, I got the New York Giants. I think the Giants are going to be a bad football team this year. Let's be honest. I know Dable, great coach. Wink Martindale is a good defensive coordinator, but there's a few things I have serious concerns with. Let's start with, obviously, the big one the quarterback. Daniel Jones hasn't shown that he can be a franchise quarterback yet. And, you know. He's had three years to prove it. He hasn't really shown it. You know, how am I supposed to be confident that, you know, Dable's going to turn it around and they're going to win seven, eight games? I don't see it happening. I think that the Giants are going to be a bad football team. That's number one. Let's get to the line. Let's go through the entire thing. The offensive line. Thomas is good, but everyone else I got question marks about. And we're going to say, Evan Neal, Evan Neal. Yeah, he's going to be great, but not out of the gate. Evan Neal's going to struggle out of the gate. I'd be very surprised he comes out and he's just a stud offensive tackle. I'd be very surprised. It's going to take some time for him to develop and be that top offensive tackle that the Giants think that Evan Neal's going to be. He's not going to come into the league and just step on the football field and be a top offensive tackle. It's going to take time. The wide receiving core is very good, but again, I do have some concerns. Gallaudet, Tony, they Shepard, they do get injured a lot. so. There's concerns there. Barkley, I think he's going to have a great year. I actually think he's going to be one of the big, bright spots in this Giants football team this year. I think Saquon's going to have a monster year. I really do. I draft him in fantasy a lot because I think he's going to have a huge year in fantasy. But I also think he's going to have a huge year just for the Giants as well. I think he's going to do a very good job. I think he's going to have a great year. They open up Week 1 versus the Titans. I have them finishing 4-13. and 13. The other reason I want to talk about the Giants is their defense. The defense for the Giants. I have some concerns. Wink Martindale sends a lot of blitzes. A lot. So what does that mean? A lot of one-on-one coverages. A lot of man, right? Assuming that your guys can get, you know, to the backfield, sack the quarterback or stuff the run, whatever it is, right? My my problem is, is that the Giants' corners, the secondary, is atrocious. Xavier McKinney's good, but a lot of question marks outside of that. So i have some concerns there and you saw Baltimore last year where when wink martindale sends a bunch of blitzes with guys that you know when their secondary isn't good you, you have one of the worst defenses <laughs> like there's there's a stat like they had like one of the worst secondaries in like the last 10 years or something it's crazy so you have like the giants you know if they're going to be a good football team there's a few things one jones has to step up and two the secondary secondary is a big problem I kind of do, I do like the Giants front seven, and I like Thibodeau, but again, I don't expect Thibodeau to be really good out of the gate. I think he's going to struggle. He's also hurt, so he's not going to play the first two or three games or something like that, so I expect, you know, him to take time and get used to the NFL style, so I have the Giants finishing four and 13. At number three, I have the Commanders finishing eight and nine. The Commanders, look... Carson Wentz gets a bad rap, but I think that they're going to be a solid team. I think that there's going to be a few games that you know here and there that could flip you know eight and nine to ten and seven and making the playoffs. But I think that Carson Wentz is too up and down. Where I think that I can only settle on eight and nine or nine and eight. I have them eight and nine, but I think that the Commanders look. The Commanders are a good team. They have a solid squad. Look at Look at their receivers. Dotson, McLaurin. That's a good receiving core. I think Dotson will be good. And I think McLaurin will be good. The running backs, I know Robinson, you know, uh prayers to Robinson or whatever. Uh he got, you know, shot in broad daylight, but he's luckily alive. So, you know, prayers go out to him. JD McKissick in the backfield, which is bad. Their, their offensive line is okay. Their defense. Their defense, I like their front seven. I really do like, but their secondary, I have a big problem. Their secondary, I don't know what I'm supposed to expect from the Commanders this year. I think they could be ten and seven, seven and ten, four and thirteen. They can be really to me any record. I just think that you know it's consistency, really, what it is. If the Commanders are consistent, they'll be nine and eight, ten and seven. If they're not, it'll be six and eleven, seven and ten. So. I am settling on eight and nine. I think they're just going to be barely mediocre and barely miss the playoffs. So I have the Commanders at number three. At number two, who's going to win the division? I got the Dallas Cowboys finishing second in the NFC East, finishing 10 and seven and getting the number six seed in the playoffs. Here's my thing. Tyron Smith, towards Hamstring, he's going to be out three to four months. He's going to probably be back November, December. That's a big loss. Michael Gallup. I don't know if he's going to play week one, but he's going to be out for some time. That's a loss. They lost to Mark Cooper in the offseason. That's another big loss. So, to me, you know, a lot of big losses from their defense. They lost Randy Gregory, another huge contributor that they lost as well. So, the Cowboys. I think they actually have a good year. I think Lamb's going to do well. Fantasy purposes, I think he'll do great. The running game could get interesting. The thing is, though, this is the worst offensive line Dak's ever had. And I think that could be very bad for Dak, but I also think it could be very good because, you know, they'll be throwing the ball a lot. And, you know, even though they can't, you know, their offensive line's bad, they're going to be slinging the ball. I think that they could be, you know, a very good team. The thing is, they're not better than Philly. They're just not. I just don't see it. Mike McCarthy, I'm not a big fan of him as a coach. Their defense, let's talk about their defense. I like their secondary. I think Javon is going to have a good year. Diggs gets a lot of unnecessary hate, but I think he's very good. Uh, Here's the problem. Their front seven is pretty bad. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, he's okay. He's not great, but he's not terrible. As I mentioned earlier, they got Randy Gregory, who they lost to Denver. So they lost some key contributors on the defensive side of the ball. Their linebackers are okay, but got exposed late in the year, last year. And really what concerns me is that Dallas got, you know, got manhandled by San Francisco. Manhandled. They ran the football in a dome. They're in a dome. This isn't like, you know, you're running the football in Lambeau Field and it's, you know, cold weather. Like, you're running in a dome. Like, you know, like this is like where you expect to score 30, 40 points, like in Jerry World. Like, and they just got Manhandled their linebackers, their front seven. The the uh the corners were okay, like but they got manhandled in that San Francisco game. I have some concerns for them, but ultimately I think they're gonna finish ten and seven and I think they're gonna go uh under their ten and a half uh total record. I do. I think they go under their ten and a half record. I just think that they're you know, the odds you know, with the over-under, it's just very interesting to see how that goes. I just think that the Cowboys, I don't know. I think they're going to go 10-7. And then the Eagles, I haven't won division 11-6. and 6. They got uh Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I really like, Bradbury, Brown. They got all these acquisitions. They got all these players. It's time for them to put it together. I think Hurts is going to have a great year. Sirianni's a great coach. They have the best run game in the NFL and the best offensive line. They arguably have a top-five defense. I think they're going to be a good team. They're going to finish 11-6 and, and get the number four seed in the NFC. NFC North. Let's start off in last. The last, the Bears. Bears finish 4-13. and 13. Bears, I think that, you know, they're not bad, but I don't think they're going to be great because the offensive line's really bad. The wide receiving core's pretty bad. They're similar to the Giants. I think that they're very similar to the Giants, but the thing is, though, they have... Justin Fields who can be a superstar in the league and Daniel Jones is, you know, an okay quarterback at best. I think they're very similar. I think the Bears, their front seven's not good. I mean, Robert Quinn had a great year, but again, I just I don't really know like what's the bright spot in this team. That's the question. And I think their identity this year in terms of offensive is just let Justin Fields, you know, make plays happen. Really simple. They gotta put the ball in Justin Fields' hands for them to win games. I think they could win games. The question is, is like you know, how are they gonna fare? And I'll tell you this: Week one versus San Francisco. I'll tell you this: I we do the Shags five uh, every week, where I pick five games against the spread and see how I do every week. Bears plus, plus the points. I really like it because it's a West Coast team in San Francisco traveling to an East Coast time zone. Yeah, it was a 1 o'clock start. It's really like 9, 10 a.m. on the West Coast. So, to me, I really like it. I, I like the Bears in Week 1. But I think that just the Bears aren't that good of a football team compared to these other teams in the NFC. I haven't finished in 4-13. In third place, got the Lions, 6-11. and 11. Hard Knocks, phenomenal. Love Dan Campbell. Love Hard Knocks. Lions have been great. But, again, you know, I just don't think that Jared Goff is that good. I think they have a good roster. I just don't know about Jared Goff. I don't know. So I am finishing 6-11. In second place is the Minnesota Vikings at 11-6 and, and finishing the number five seed in the NFC. I think that the Vikings, they got everything they need. Kevin O'Connell, offensive mind from the Sean McVay coaching tree. He's going to unlock Justin Jefferson a lot this year. He's, I think he's my pick. He's my pick for Offense Player of the Year. Justin Jefferson, market. Justin Jefferson, Offense Player of the Year. I think he's going to have a monster year. I really do. I think Jefferson, Cousins is going to play well. Thielen's going to come back to himself. They also got Jalen Rager, which is pretty interesting. Again, I know you know he didn't do well in Philly, but I think he could do well in Minnesota being like the third, fourth option. So I think that can be an interesting look. Their defense got a lot better. I know they lost Zimmer, who's a de- defensive mind, but they also, you know, the offense is really what their biggest problem was. Their defense, they got the talent. Uh, they got Andrew Booth, uh, Lewis Seen. They got Daniel Hunter, Zadarius Smith. They got a defense, man. I'm telling you, they're they're going to lose the division, I think, but not by a lot. I think that the Packers and Vikings are going to be neck and neck this entire year. I do. I lean Green Bay because they've done it longer, and I don't know who would dethrone them yet. It'd probably be Minnesota, but I just I can't pick the Packers to get dethroned by Minnesota yet. But I think that the Vikings can make a deep run in the NFC. And at number one, the Green Bay Packers. By the way, I didn't say it. The Vikings will finish number five in the NFC. And no number one, I got the Packers finishing twelve and five, and that's the number three seed. In the NFC. I think the Packers are gonna be a good team. The question is, you know, how does you know the missing Devontae Adams work? And I think they'll struggle early, but then as you get to November and December, Rodgers turns it up another level and they'll look really good. NFC South. At number four, don't even have to really talk about this, the Falcons. Not a big fan of them. Desmond Ritter I do like, but the question is, will he start? Don't think so. If Mario is the starter, I don't think they win more than four games. Very simple. Pitts is great. Drake London will be good. But I got concerns. Their secondaries, okay. Terrell's great, but everyone else is okay after that. Their front seven and linebacking core is not great. Their coaching's okay. I just, a lot of question marks, and I think that they're not that great of a team. I haven't finished two and 15 They also have a very hard schedule as well. At number three my one of my teams I'm rooting for this year the Carolina Panthers I am I'm I've became the biggest Baker Mayfield fan over the summer just like the way they treated him and I know you know we don't we don't like Baker sometimes cuz he's you know sometimes just you know a very uh outgoing personal guy where he's very He's very just honest. He just doesn't care whose feelings he's hurting. He's just going to say what's on his mind, right? I love Baker, and I do, because it's like he got mistreated by a terrible organization in Cleveland. and We'll talk about Cleveland next podcast, but he got mistreated, and he got put into a better situation than he is in Cleveland. McCaffrey, DJ Moore, they got the weapons. The defense is the only concern. and. I think that's going to be a big problem and the other concern we're also not talking about is mad rule. Mad rule is a big concern, but I think that the Panthers are going to be a solid team, they'd be a fun team to watch and I'm finishing 7 and 10. The Saints are going to be number 2. They come in at 10 and 7. They do not make the playoffs. Saints miss out on the playoffs finishing 10 and 7. I think they're going to be a good team. Question is, you know, like my question is like they're deep, but the question is how did they affair with the top teams in the NFC? Like they're not better than the Rams, Packers, Vikings, Eagles, Cowboys. I don't see them because what I'm going to say is that, you know, Sean Payton not being there is a big loss. But Dennis Allen's a great defensive coordinator. He's very good at, you know, this blitz schemes and blitz packages and all that good stuff. So I like the Saints this year. Question is how are they going to be without Sean Payton? I'm finishing 10 and 7th, not making the playoffs. And at number one. The Bucs finishing at 13-4, taking the number one seed in the NFC. I think that the Bucs are going to run through the NFC. I think this is the last ride in Tom Brady. And spoiler alert, I have them winning the Super Bowl. I think that the Bucks, Tom Brady coming back out of retirement with all those weapons coming back in Evans and Godwin, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I'm really confident in the Bucs. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl this year. Whether that's the Bills, Chargers, Chiefs, they beat the Super Bowl. I think that they are going to win the Super Bowl. Now let's go to our last division. We got the NFC West. Coming in in last place, we got the Seahawks, 3-14. I think that the Seahawks, they're a good team on paper in terms of talent, but I think that Drew Locke, again, Drew Locke's a quarterback, so I don't think that they could be any more than five wins. So, I have them finishing 3-14, and 14, but I think that if they got, like, yeah, I know he's still in San Francisco, but if they got Jimmy G, they're a 7-8, 9-1 team. I do. I think that team's really good. I think their talent, I like their talent. Question is, obviously, Pete Carroll. I feel like the game's kind of passed him a little bit. Lisa's, when you watch the Seahawks as of recently, they got rid of Russell Wilson in a trade. They got good assets back. I just think that I don't. Know, I think the Seahawks—they're just the quarterback's a problem. The offensive line's gonna be a problem here. Cross is gonna be great. I like Cross, Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. to tackle. Uh, the defense is gonna be okay. It's gotten better over the to- over the last few years, but again, it's still not gonna be great. So I haven't finishing three and fourteen. In third place, I have the Cardinals at 9-8. I'm telling you, and I want to put them as a losing record, but I felt like I was going to get a lot of backlash from you guys saying that, oh, how could you have the Cardinals with a losing record? That's ridiculous, right? I think that they could have a losing record. I think that this is a year where you know, Hopkins being suspended for the first six games. I think this is a year that Kingsbury gets fired. I really do. I think that this is a year where it blows up in Arizona. They've already committed to the quarterback. I think this year that Kingsbury could legitimately get fired. They've done nothing, and I mean nothing. Kyler has still not won a playoff game with Cliff Kingsbury yet, and he's about to head into his, what, his fourth year? I think it's his fourth year, right? Drafted in 2019. Yeah, he's about to head into his fourth year, and he still has not won a playoff game. So, you know... And I don't see anyone talking about Kyler Murray about winning a playoff game. So it's very interesting with the Cardinals because I'll say this, and it's a little off topic, but this summer I've watched a lot of people talk a lot of trash about Justin Herbert about winning big time games. And he's heading to his third year. No one's saying anything about Kyler. He doesn't want a playoff game. And now he's going to head to his fourth year and he's already got his contract. He hasn't, he hasn't won anything yet. So, to me, if they don't, he goes into his fifth year without winning anything, that's a problem. I'm sorry. So I have them finishing 9 and 8. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I do like the receiving core and their offense, but the defense is terrible. The secondary is bad. The front seven is bad. The linebacking core is pretty bad outside of Isaiah Simmons. I know Buda Baker is great, but the corners are just terrible on Arizona. I don't really like this Cardinals team. I feel like it's a lot of good players, and it kind of feels like you know a bunch of good players put together as one team. And I feel like you know you saw last year they they're gonna start off hot and they'll, you know they'll deteriorate by the end of the season. So I'm finishing nine and 8 at second place. I have the Forty Nine ers at ten and seven as the seventh seed in the NFC. Here's the thing. So, you're a Trey Lance believer. Yes, but I also think that this could blow up in the 49ers' face here. If you guys don't know by now, the Niners are keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. And this could be a bad sign in one of two things. One, that, you know, they're afraid of Trey Lance getting hurt. They could also be keeping him because they couldn't find a trade suitor. But also, here's the other problem. Let's say in a world where I think this is going to happen where in Week 1, the 49ers come out and they lose to the Chicago Bears. Lose. And look, these Week 1 upsets happen every year. Steelers beat the Bills. You could go back to other upsets from last year. Like, you could look at some of these games where these teams get upset. Like the Titans. Look at the Titans last year. The Titans thought they were going to run through the Cardinals, and the Cardinals blew the Titans out. Blew them out. But then they end up getting the number one seed. The Niners, you know, Trey Lance can play one bad game, and I'll tell you this about the locker room. Ben Solak said it on the Stay Hot pod where, you know, if Trey Lance plays bad and, you know, there's going to be a lot of people calling for Jimmy G to start. And that's a, bit, that's a big problem because if let's say in the world where Trey Lance, you know, they go to Chicago, right, and they lose, uh, he plays bad. There's going to be a lot of people calling for Jimmy G to be the starter. And the question is, you know, the locker room really likes Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of guys I know in San Francisco love Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's there could be some problem there are quarterback problems here or like, you know, in the season, but I think that Trey Lance is gonna be very good. I think they're gonna finish ten and seven and that's the number seven seed in the NFC. In the NFC West, at the number one seed, I have the Los Angeles Rams finishing twelve and five as the number two seed. Their season could get very ugly. It could, but it also could be very good. Their team, I don't know what to tell because, on one hand, you're saying, "Well, look at them. They were, last year they're in the Super Bowl, and you could probably expect the same performance." They only lost Bob Miller's the only guy that they lost, in Odell Beckham. But again, the big problem here is that Stafford's dealing with the elbow injury, and you know it's a baseball injury. It's a baseball throwing, you know. Type of injury. And if you guys know some stuff about baseball, you know, like the arm and elbow injuries, those are stuff we don't mess around with. So, you know, he gets hurt, you know, like halfway through the year or at the end of the year. Like he might be great now, but by the end of the year, he may not be that top guy. So I'm really concerned with the Rams. I do think they're going to be good. Question is, how do they affair late in postseason play? That's my concern. I think they'll be 12-5, win the division, and they'll be the number two seed in the NFC. So let's count out the uh, the playoff matchups here. So number one, the Bucks. they obviously get the bye. The 2-7 matchup is Rams-Niners. Your 3-6 matchup is Packers-Cowboys, and your 4-5 is Eagles-Vikings. If I had to pick them, it would be Vikings over Eagles, uh, Packers over Cowboys. Those would be my three. So then you go, what Vikings, Bucks, and then Rams, Packers. I pick the pa- I pick the Rams over the Packers and the Bucks over the Vikings, and then the Bucks finished off the Rams and the Bucks win the Super Bowl. That'd be my prediction. So, those are my NFC record predictions. The AFC will be in the next podcast. That will do it for today's episode of the Shack Sports Talk podcast. I'm gonna be dropping my. NFL awards predictions on Twitter, so you check those out as well. That'll do it for today's episode of the podcast. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends. All like it stuff. Check out the social Twitter, Jack Sports Talk Podcast. Like it stuff. Jack Sports Talk Podcast is out.